Hey, let me ask you today. Because this is the question we're going to seek to answer. How is a person really saved? How do you think that works? What's required for a person to truly find salvation? Think that's an important topic? I do. That's why I'm glad you tuned in today to New Hope Radio or the Hope Club Podcast, whichever one you're listening to. Because I think this is true. No one likes to be left out or left behind from an important event. Did you say that? Like a party. Everybody's, hey, they're having a party. You don't want to be left out. Uh, a wedding, a reunion of some type. You like it when you're invited. Because when you're invited, there's a special feeling that comes with it. You may even feel a sense of value or importance that your presence is requested. You've been invited to a wedding, I'm sure. And how did you feel? Oh, they want us at the wedding. Because they think well of you. They love you. They want you there. And if you weren't invited, you might feel kind of disappointed. Oh, we didn't get invited. God wants us all to know that all people are important to Him. Everybody. There's not one person that's not important to God. I like that. I like that statement. There's not one person that's not important to God. Now, this is something that the ancient Jews needed to hear because they believed that, oh, God was for them. And they made him the best kept secret around. And then the Apostle Paul comes on the scene and he brings clarity and correction to their thinking. Clarity regarding who God is in his nature and correction regarding the error of their thinking. So, as we're going through Paul's letter to the Romans, written to the Jews living in Rome, we're digging up some gems that we can apply to our own lives and find benefit. And today we arrive at Romans chapter 10, our 10th gem. And we'll be in verse 12 with this thought. And here's what Paul wanted them to understand. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. There it is. All people are important to God. Remember last time we said God doesn't choose who will be saved? He saves those who choose him by responding to the call of the gospel. The call goes out to the whole world. Everybody receives it. And those that respond to it and say yes, God predetermines a plan for their life. Because notice here, abounding in riches for all who call on him. So Paul's getting the Jews to see, wait a minute, it's not just about us. God has opened up the gates of heaven to the whole world. And then he drives the point home. And I love this verse, verse 13, Romans 10. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You like that verse? 
I like it. Whoever. Who's a whoever? You're a whoever. I'm a whoever. Everybody is a whoever. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, what does it mean to call on him? Paul explains it in verse 9. Remember, we're in Romans 10. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, what does it mean that Jesus is Lord? The word Lord is the word kurios, K-U-R-I-O-S. And there are really four stages of meaning to the word kurios. Number one, it can be a title of respect. It would mean in our language, sir. Okay, title of respect. Number two, the title of a Roman emperor. He was called Lord Curios. Number three, sometimes it was the title of a Greek god. And then number four, a divine name representing Jehovah. So, Paul is saying, listen, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus, now he's not saying Jesus is, you know, you call him sir, he's a Roman emperor, he's a Greek god. No, he's Jehovah. He's divine. That if you confess with your mouth, now the word confess, it's a compound word, homo legeo. Homo means the same. Legeo means to speak. It means to speak the same thing. To agree with the preacher that says Jesus is kurios, that Jesus is Lord. So if you agree with that statement, and then you believe that God raised him from the dead. So there's an agreement and there's a believing. It's that simple. There's an agreement that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, and there's a believing that God raised him from the dead. This is what makes Jesus different from other lords and other emperors. So then, if a person called Jesus Lord, Jesus Curios, he was ranking him with the emperor and with God, And you can see how that made trouble for the early Christians. Remember when they brought Jesus to Pilate and they wanted Jesus crucified? And the crowd said, we have no Lord but Caesar. Well, hate to see where those guys are today. They didn't recognize the Lordship of Christ. So when you, when you were, became a Christian in the first century and you called Jesus Lord, That didn't sit well with the Romans. Oh, no. Because the emperors demanded worship as gods. So now we discover two things. Number one, there's no distinction. God invites all people. No one's left out of the party. Everyone's invited. Okay? There's no difference between Jew and everybody else. The call goes out to everybody. And then secondly, it was dangerous to confess Jesus as Lord. It was. Because those Romans, you know, they had an ego problem. And the emperors, they wanted to be worshipped. They considered themselves gods. So, if they had to agree with a preacher, wait a minute, where do they find one? If I'm going to be saved, and I have to agree with a preacher, where do I get a preacher? 
Verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Now, when Paul said, just as it is written, it's a quote from the Old Testament because it was written somewhere else before. See, a lot of the things he said, he didn't make them up. He just taught Old Testament scripture. In Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, he remembered his Sunday, well, Saturday school lesson. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. Now, when Isaiah said this, it was said to those who were exiled in Babylon, your God reigns. I know you're exiled from your home. Your God reigns. Cheer up. God is in control. He is still reigning, though you are not in a good situation. And we would do well to remember that. That sometimes we find ourselves in what we, we, what we would consider not so good a situation. But let me tell you something. God reigns. There's never a time God is not reigning. God is not in control because he's God. Oh, he, he, he's got a long rope. And he lets the rope out a long way. But he can pull that thing in anytime he wants. So Paul is saying to the Jews in Rome, who are still trapped in legalism and keeping the law, and they're thinking that they're the only ones, he's saying, well, you cannot call on God unless you believe. And you cannot believe unless you hear. And you cannot hear unless someone proclaims. And no one proclaims unless they are sent. So now, the problem, now we have a problem in America. The problem here in America is not that the preachers are not sent. The problem is people refuse to believe. Oh, the message is out there. It's all over the place. Like, are you kidding me? Christian TV, Christian radio, Christian shortwave radio, pre-recorded messages. I mean, it's all over. The, the world is inundated with the Word of God. Missionaries that have given up their livelihoods to go out into the third world and preach the gospel. Or maybe even go to modern nations that are very atheistic and preach the gospel. But people refuse to believe. That's the problem today. I subscribe to an app, and I haven't looked at it in quite a while. And it's an app that provides short articles, because I like short reads. I think I have a attention deficit syndrome. So I like these seven, they're like seven minute reads. You can read an article really quick. And it comes in many categories. And one of the categories I chose was religion. And I'm thinking, I'm going to read these articles and I'm going to get built up in my faith. Because I like to read things that, you know, build my faith. And I started reading these articles. And I cannot believe all the articles in the religious category that are against God. I couldn't believe it. And not only do they disbelieve, no, that's not good enough. 
they actually mock God. And I always find that interesting about non-believers or atheists. You know, it's not enough to not believe. They have to attack what they don't believe in. <laughs> I'm like, does that make sense? Well, I don't believe in God, but I'm going to attack him anyway. Wait a minute, why are you attacking something you don't believe exists? That doesn't make any sense. So if I can't attack God, let me attack the people of God. And that's what happens. So here are some of the titles of these articles that I've read. Here's one title. I thought Jesus was a savior of the world. Now I stand corrected. And by the way, some of these articles are written by ex-pastors. I'm like, wow. So article number one, I thought Jesus was savior of the world. Now I stand corrected. Here's another title of an article. There are no gods. How I came to that conclusion, and you can too. Okay. Here's one. This person has a little more anger. To hell with God who sends people to hell. Okay. That's somebody that has a very humanistic attitude toward God. See what happens when, when people make God like people, they have the wrong concept of who he is. Cause he's not like people. He's, he's, he, you can't get any more different from people than God. You know, he even tells us in his word, hey, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. We are different. And you can't figure me out with human reasoning. And if you try to bring me down and make me like you, you're going to have the wrong understanding of who I am. And you'll never understand justice. And you'll never understand fairness and mercy and compassion. And you'll never understand why I condemn because they make God a human. Now, it was a sad story that I read, and I felt really bad on this one. One girl commented that her mother, she was a Christian and very legalistic, and she monitored everything that she and her sisters watched and listened to. And you know what the girl did? She rebelled. And what happened later on, she got epilepsy. And when she got epilepsy, you know what her mother said to her? She said, you are sick because you turned your back on God. When I read that, my heart sank. So in these articles, you can respond and you can comment on the articles. And I responded. And I said to her, your mom is wrong. Terribly wrong. You're not sick because you, you, you don't have epilepsy because you turned your back on God. Then another guy chimed in. And he said, there is no God, no devil, no afterlife. And then he made a few other nasty remarks. And I said, remember that when you meet him. <laughs> I get into it now. Now I'm like, okay, let's roll up our sleeves. And I said, oh, no God, huh? Okay. Remember that when you meet him. He called me delusional and schizophrenic. And God is as real as Scooby-Doo. 
And I told him. I responded back. I said, God is real. I spoke to him today. <laughs> That's how I know. I talked to him. And I, here's what I said. I said, can I pray that God shows himself to you? Because I think that's important. I think people that don't know God, if they would say, you know what, God, I don't believe, but I'm going to give you an opportunity. Show yourself to me. And you know what? I believe God will do that. I believe God will honor every request when somebody says, I'm not a believer, but I want you to reveal yourself to me to see if I can become a believer. And God would want that. So I said to him, can I pray that God shows himself to you? And you know what he said? Don't pray for me. I don't want your Savior saving me. And I'm like, man, how deep can you go? How lost can you be? I don't want your Savior saving me. And I responded back and I said, okay. And then you know what I did? I prayed anyway. (laughs) I prayed anyway that God would reveal himself to him so God would be glorified in his salvation. Because here's a guy, man, he's outright Christ rejecter. He's, 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 he's not only rejecting Christ, he's antagonistic. Kind of like Saul of Tarsus, right? So imagine God gets a hold of his heart and turns him around. Wow. What a testimony. So that's what I prayed. Because God is glorified in the salvations of the antagonistic. So maybe there are people in your life and they're antagonistic to God. Pray for them. Pray that their eyes would be open, that the Spirit would move. And I'll tell you what, I bring glory to God, that's for sure. So here's the point. Until someone believes, there is no hope. There's none. And their believing can come through the preacher. And to God, this is a beautiful thing. It is. When the word of God is spoken, it's a beautiful thing. Remember in Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, a couple of disciples walking down the road after Jesus was crucified. And they were despondent and downcast. And all of a sudden, Jesus appeared and started walking with them. And he was reasoning with them, and they didn't know it was Jesus. He kind of kept them from recognizing him. And then Jesus went to their home, and they had dinner. And then Jesus, he kind of reenacted the communion service with them. And then he disappeared. And remember what one of the disciples said? Didn't our hearts burn within us when he explained to us, beginning with Moses, all the things of God? Their hearts came alive. Their hearts began to be rekindled from what? The Word of God. That's what the Word does. That's why to God, when His Word is spoken, it's a beautiful thing. And you don't have to be a preacher behind a big old pulpit. You can be a preacher over a cup of coffee. You can be a preacher riding in a carpool. Anywhere you share the Word of God, you're preaching. And people getting the message. See, people need the church. They do. People need the church. And when I say the church, not just the building where they can go and get educated on the things of God, but they need the church, the body of Christ, because we're everywhere. And the body of Christ can take the Word of God 
everywhere. Because we're everywhere. Children need a Christian education. Why do we have a generation of atheists today? Because their parents didn't take their kids to church. And that's what's happening. This next up-and-coming generation, they're going to be far removed from God because their parents didn't take them. Hey, my parents, we were Catholic, but we went to church every Sunday, whether I liked it or not. I wore a bow tie and shiny shoes that hurt my feet. And I went every week. You know, I'm not saying big things happened to me, but what it did, it ingrained in me the need for church. You know, it showed me that, wait a minute, Sunday is the day we go to worship God. And then, of course, like most people, I kind of fell away, but then came back. Came back when I heard the gospel. And it was so important. And then it was a real McCoy. Real changes began to happen. So think about it. It's amazing how many people just outright hate God. They just don't like Him. It's more than disbelieving. It's not even liking Him. And it's all because of their misconception and their human reasoning. You cannot humanly reason who God is because God is divine. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals to us who God is. The things of God are spiritually discerned. The carnal mind cannot understand the things of God, but they're spiritually discerned. So even though the Apostle Paul faced a lot of opposition, and he was in a world that believed in myriads of gods, and his message was very radical, you know what he said in Romans 1.16? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. He says, I'm not ashamed. I can be outnumbered. I'm not ashamed because I know what it is. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Oh, yeah, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. He said it's for everyone. He knows there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's nothing to be ashamed of, embarrassed for, intimidated about. That's the treasure in our earthen vessels. You know, Paul talks about the treasure in your earthen vessel. That's it. It's the gospel. So he said to the Corinthians, he had a lot to say to them too. He wrote them a few letters. And he said in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross, and this kind of sums up this whole message today, I think. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, those who are lost. The message of the cross, someone dying for the sins of the world, that's foolishness. That's silly, absurd, doesn't make any sense to them. Why? How, do, how, how can that pay for sins? But then he said, oh, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. There's power in the word of God. That's why, listen, I know there's a lot of independent spirits in the world today, and a lot of Christians don't go to church. They don't think they need church. They can get by without it. 
But let me tell you something. God created, yes, he, we're the church, we know that. But he also says in the book of Hebrews 10.25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as the habit of some is, as we see the day of Christ approaching. We need to gather together for worship. We need to gather together for prayer. We need to gather together to study the Word of God. We gather together for support. That's called fellowship. We pool our resources so we can support the work of God. I know a lot of folks have house churches, and that's fine. But let me ask you, do you support the work of God financially? Do you take an offering and support a missionary? Do you give to something? Because you know what? It's a big part of the Word of God going forward is done by the faithful financial supporters of those who make it happen. And that's why we have the Hope Club. The Hope Club allows us to be on the radio sharing the Word of God. And $3 a week, that's it. Everybody gives $3 a week where we pay our radio expenses. You can, you can be part of that. You can be part of the Hope Club. Go to newhopecc.tv. Click the giving button. Scroll down. Click e-giving. Choose the fund, radio. Fill in the amount. Three bucks. That's it. That's it. That's all we ask. Hit recurring. Fill out your email, your info. Hit submit. And what are you doing? You're supporting the work of God for the expansion of the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. 100% of what is given goes into radio outreach. There's no salaries here. Sometimes we have to buy a microphone or something, but no one gets paid for doing this. You know, I get paid as being a pastor. I don't charge to be on the radio. We just take all that money and expand our outreach the best we can. So think of it. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Not to be ashamed, but to be involved and the work. So how is a person really saved? You gotta acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Not just believing in the baby Jesus at Christmas, not just believing in the Jesus, the moral leader or the teacher, but the resurrected Christ, he overcame the grave. That's salvation. And you know what's so simple? Share that with someone. Share that with someone in the next few days. And whether they accept it or reject it, you've planted the seed, and someone else will come along and water it. <laughs>